How's it going? It's going well. How are you? Good. Wow. You sound crisp. You don't even need headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about putting some in right now. Need the sound to be A1. A1. Exactly. Are you still part of the uh, uh, bird watching group? I guess I haven't publicly said this, but no. Okay, 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 okay. No, I'll just take that out for the bio. Glad that's off. No bad blood. No bad blood with the birds. Man, I love the birds. I love the birds. <laughs> love the birds. And uh, your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns, he, there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Ramirez holding up a... Drinking out of his easily distracted by the birds cup that he has on deck. To all you listeners out there. That's right. True fan. Rashad, and this is Wear Many Hats, presented by Desire, where we talk about your main gig, then we talk about your side hustle. Ramir Balagoon is a model, musician, artist, and activist. I met Ramir when I worked at the Canal Street Market as a barista at Office Coffee and was always happy to see him there all the time. I got to know Ramir from time to time and to see him flourishing in his model career. Ramir has modeled for Mar Jacobs Heaven, Helmut Lang, Rachel Comey, Noah Nordstrom, the ads for Corridor always pop up in my feed, and they're always Ramir. I can't escape it. Where he has been featured in Noah Clothing for his bird watching. As a musician, Ramir released his first single off of his solo project called Boulevard Baby by Ramir Balagoon. Looks amazing in a cowboy hat. Please welcome Ramir Balagoon to wear many hats. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on, and currently right now you're wearing a bucket hat. I am. You know, anytime you see me wearing a hat these days, I'll let, I'll let my secret out. If you ever see me wearing a hat, I'm having a bad hair day for the most part. No way. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> that's right. So that's a little, that's a little inside, inside uh, scoop to my lore. And you rock colors really well. Like the bucket hat you're wearing right now is taro lavender. No, it's not even lavender. It's taro. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a bad hair day because you like woke up on the wrong side of the bed no it's just one of those things you know i get my hair braided probably like once a month and so mm. i'm basically like a little overdue i'm sure it like looks fine to other people but for me i'm like i know i know it's time for my shit to get re re rebraided yo and rebraiding is it's up there it's up there all my friends that get their hair braided or do anything with their hair it's up there mm, yeah you gotta set some time out yeah it can be all day mm, well you know for me like where i go it really doesn't it doesn't honestly take that long like if i set aside like two three hours like i'm in and out you know 
that's good. That's good. Me, yeah. it only takes me like ten minutes. No hair. You play the guitar, you make beats, talents I never knew about you. We would always just shoot the shit, run into each other at Sweetgreen. This is crazy. <laughs> talents I never knew about you. I feel like that that could be like the title of like a biography. I can totally see that as your autobiography. Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing I'm trying to be better at is sharing. And, um, you know, I think there's been i think there are a lot of things that even my closest friends didn't know about me so with the music thing it's like i've been making music basically my whole life i think on my dad's side of the family in particular like my father used to make music and his father's father in haiti is a, a well-known musician it kind of just trickled down to me um and you know my siblings so i've been doing it but i think you know it's, it's one of those things like i think all artists can relate to it, it you know, it fluctuates. And there was definitely a period where, you know, I was just more so doing it in my room and not really sharing anything with anyone. So I guess it seems like it just came out of nowhere. But I think for people who've been close to me uh, for a while, um, you know, they they know something that I've always done. Yeah, when did you learn how to play guitar? Uh, I actually learned how to play guitar maybe 2016. And that just came by way of me just really diving into like a lot of like rock. First, it started off with blues, you know, mm -hmm. listening to like Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters. And then obviously like you get rock and roll, which is essentially blues with an electric guitar. And then, you know, you start getting into like Jimi Hendrix, even getting into Prince guitar playing. And so I just felt like I wanted to try it for myself. And so I bought a guitar. I kind of taught myself to play. I'm not, I'm not like a maestro at it, but I know a little bit to play some punk tunes, punk tunes that I like. I also played the guitar and growing up, the first thing I learned when I took guitar lessons in my hometown, the first day my guitar teacher taught me the blues scale and the blues scale is everything. Yeah, it is. It is. Once you know the blues scale, like shit, you can play, you can play so much. I incorporate it with all my song playing now. Yeah, right on, right on, yeah. I don't rip, <laughs> but I just got my guitar back. Um, it's a 1978 Fender Mustang in black. I've had her for um, a good amount of years, and but I usually play the acoustic guitar in my apartment every day, every morning, just to get the fingers going, just to like break out the calluses, like mm -hmm. just keep on practicing. You kind of really don't realize that when you play guitar every day or play an instrument every day, you don't realize like how much better you're getting. Right, right. Yeah, because it's it's one of those things, it's like, I mean, first of all, I think that's like a good routine to have, you know, like, I mean, sounds like a good morning ritual. I love the acoustic guitar, but I think, yeah, I think it's one of those things. It's kind of like, even like your parents, right? Like you don't necessarily notice you're getting older, you know, you might run into a friend that you haven't seen in a while and aging isn't bad at all, but you know, you might see them and they look like a little older, you know, you might not have not seen them in 10 years. So kind of the same with your own playing. I think you need time to pass in order to have perspective and you might 
listen to something that you might have done a while back and you say like, oh, I've come so far, you know, but yeah, it's one of those things that you definitely don't really notice it in the moment when you're when you're getting better. But I do think it's important to, you know, even if it's five minutes out of the day to like, you know, give that instrument some attention. I take out my guitar with my morning coffee, with my morning mantra. I'm, and I'm just like looking out the window. I'm like, damn, this is living. Right on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Music is so, I don't know. I can't live without music. Me as well. Rest in peace, Safaro. Rest in peace. <sighs> so many musicians. What do you like to listen to on a daily basis? Hmm. Well, my music, my music, what I listen to changes. I like it that way, though, because it allows me to discover and listen to so much. You know, I think a lot of people definitely stay stuck in their niche, which I think there's nothing wrong with. Definitely it changes. These days, I'm listening to a lot of D'Angelo, all of his projects. I think all of his projects are masterpieces. Brown Sugar. Amazing. Uh, Voodoo, Black Messiah. When you listen to those albums and you hear the process behind it, you realize like these people actually care, you know? It's not just like, I need to fulfill my contract, so let's just bang this out, you know? Right. It's like, you get like Russell Elevato, uh, his Filipino engineer who just does all, who records everything on analog on his vintage equipment. And, you know, you get all these amazing players to come in and play with you. Like, you know, there's this cat, Charlie Hunter, who played on a few joints on Voodoo, and he has um, and he plays a guitar that is, uh, it's like three bass strings, and I forgot how many guitar strings, and he's playing both at the same time on the record, like, which is like I don't even know how you could split your mind to be able to do that, but, you know, hearing things like that I think definitely adds to when you're here listening to the music because you know something's different about it, but you know I I appreciate the process, and so those albums have been on heavy rotation. I've been listening to a lot of like old Dilla joints, you know, Dilla beat tapes, um, as well as like uh, Jay Dilla's work with uh, Slum Village, Miseducational Lauren Hill. Classic. And then like, you know, blue, I mean, you know, I still listen to a lot of like blues, jazz, Coltrane, the usual. Which is important for your beat making, whatnot. You just put out a single. Yeah, right. How's that feel? It feels great. You know, um, it's wild because actually, so that guitar that I had, so Johnny Thunders was like a big inspiration for me at one point. Mm -hmm. Johnny Thunders of Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers and also the New York Dolls. And so he had a Gibson Jr. TV yellow. Mm -hmm. I think it was double cut double cutaway though mine was single i had one of those they reissued it i think in 2011 and i managed to grab one off a of reverb years ago nice um, but then you know I, I wasn't really playing it and i just really had this itch to make music so i knew i could get like some money for it and i basically sold it so i could buy um a sequencer a sampler uh so i bought mpc uh which was basically a return to form for me um and you know this is probably, I literally bought it on Malcolm X's birthday, actually, which was significant for me, like looking back, but it wasn't intentional at all. And so I just came home, psychedelics, and just banged out so many beats. 
by the end of it, you know, I was just ready to just put it out, you know, because it's like, what am I, what am I going to wait for? You know, it was kind of nerve wracking in a way that, because a lot of people don't really know me for music, even though I know me for music and mm -hmm. a lot of my friends do. So it was nerve wracking, but um, I let my best friend hear it and he like couldn't believe that I made it. You know, he's like, I didn't even know. And I think that was like a few people's reactions. I probably only got three people's, I only have three ears, you know, at that mm -hmm. point. So putting it out, I was like, it could go either way. People were like, this, I don't get this or like, you know, but the response has been amazing. So it definitely feels, feels right. It's definitely nerve wracking, but you did it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. What made you think to put it under your own name? I had a lot of different monikers that I went under over the years. So this time around, like I wanted, I wanted to be as close to it as possible. And not that like having a nickname or anything necessarily means that you're removed from it, but you know, I wanted to own it in, in, a, in, a, in a certain type of way. And I also thought about myself like longevity wise, like down the line, like just in line with like so many musicians that I respect them kind of like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to feel I get to a certain age and I feel like I've outgrown my name in some way because that does happen. And so I just decided to stick with mine because it's like, I can't, you know, I'm not going to run for myself. Right. That was the first single Boulevard Baby. Great name. Thank you. Are there others on the way? There are others on the way. So this first project that I'm putting out is just a beat tape, you know, nothing significant. It was originally, a lot of these were originally supposed to be on my actual project that I was going to put out, but I got so overwhelmed between like making the beats, arranging them, then like writing and then having them like produce content, like you doing all these things alone. And so I just thought like, just take the pressure off, just put out, you know, put out a beat tape, keep it real casual and simple in the beginning and then work on my actual mixtape album, whatever you want to call it. So that's basically what I'm doing now. Like, it's funny putting out music on a certain schedule because it's like, I'm already on to the next thing. So <laughs> even though all this feels so new for everyone, I'm kind of like, wait until you hear the next stuff because it doesn't even sound like this at all, you know? So. <laughs> It's it's a good feeling, but it's also kind of funny, you know? It's like, I, I think that's like part of being a musician though. All the time. For the beat tapes currently right now, the next ongoing project, will you be also throwing words in? Yeah, so I'll be rapping on it. Nice. Uh, and doing a very little, I don't really call it singing because I'm not like a singer singer, but you know, right. I'll be making like music. It'll definitely be a little more funky that time mm -hmm. around. I think this beat tape is very like, there's a little bit of funk on there, but it's like a lot of nice. like heavy, more heavy on the hip hop side, which I like. And then this next one, I think will be a little more like, it'll still be a little bit of hip hop, but it'll be like soulful, some funk elements in it. Yeah. Vulnerable times. Very vulnerable times. I mean, especially, you know, with, with everything that's going on, I think it's important to like produce art that reflects that too. Yes. You know? So. A lot of what I do, you know, I try to also keep that in perspective. And you do everything that you either post online or you story. It's with the times for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, especially as a marginalized person in this society. Right. 
do you want the music thing to be a big thing? I do. I think in the beginning, it was kind of like, whatever for me. I mean, I guess all these years you could say, but one thing I realized is that like, you know, it was like more of like a critique of myself is that I, I felt like I was running from what I truly wanted mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons. You have people sort of projecting their expectations onto you. And then you also have the fear of failure, you know, and I think that I've grown a lot over the past few years. And so returning to music was also me kind of just really taking control of my life and saying like, you can only get older and it's like, what are you afraid of basically kind of thing. So it's something that I, you know, definitely want to, if I can make a living off of it, I would, but I don't think I'm looking to capitalize off of it in the same way that other people might. I think a lot of people might have more of like capitalist mentality about it. I really don't. That's good. That's good to hear, especially these days. Yeah. Right on. Yeah more like musicians are really hard thing to get into yeah. musicians are portrayed a different light than honestly any other career yeah yeah 100 percent. you have the face of it to be honest with you speaking of face you model <laughs> constantly do. you've been in the game for quite a bit yeah i've been 10 years over 10, 10 years, years. Over 10 years. How did you get into modeling? I think it's is a mix of both. Uh, Well, you know, I was working at this spot called Opening Ceremony. Mm -hmm. And when I started at Opening Ceremony, you know, I was a teenager. And at that point, it was still a small, relatively small store. And so a lot of the employees would, were the models for like the e-com in the early days. I definitely had my shot at that. But then my first real outside of that was um i was just chilling one day working and a friend of mine pulled up at the store and just chatted with me real casual and then he just basically was like i came here to say what's up to you but i basically came here to scout you as well and <laughs> which threw me off i was like what do you mean so he was helping out with i guess the casting for uh mark mcnary spring summer 2012 collection wow and so I'm, that was my first like modeling gig, which was like amazing to me at that time because I was a fan of Mark McNary as well. So, um, and then after that, it was like little things here and there, but it really didn't start taking off for me until like a couple years ago, to be honest. And now you're signed. Yeah, now I'm signed. Yeah, which happened a couple months ago. Only a couple months ago. Only a couple months ago. Yeah, I've been doing this whole grind by myself, you know, like. <laughs> This whole time, I mean, it was wild because, you know, I work with so many big photographers and I was in all these magazines, but it's like no one wanted to sign me. And even some of the photographers I worked with, they were like, you know, are you signed? Like, and I'm like, no, and no, no one offered the help, you know, <laughs> um, even though I was like letting it be known that I wanted to be signed, you know, Um and so I thought that was bizarre, but it's also like, you know, when being black in this society, nothing surprises you. You got to work twice as hard as anyone else. Of course. Um, so it wasn't until this year, my current agency, they also do casting. I worked with them before more so like they never really got me any work. But it was kind of like we we're in communication and I would send them things and whatnot. And I think this time around, there was like a form or something and it was asking about like if I'm with an agency or not. And I put no. 
And then they immediately reached out to me like, you're not with an agency? Like, you know, they felt like it was a steal. So I'm definitely grateful for them, you know, paying attention because yeah, it's been a struggle, but also something to be proud of. Cause it's like, I've gotten so much amazing work just doing this shit on my own, you know? And so um, a lot of people, I don't think would have lasted that long and gotten the kind of quality work that I did, like, you know, doing it on their own. So I definitely got lucky in some ways too. Was the Noah gigs on your own? Yeah, even the Mark Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone you know is on the new Mark Jacobs Heaven. Yeah, right on. Yeah, roster. Yeah, <laughs> it's just unbelievable the progress you've made. When I was looking at that photo that just came out, it's everyone you know, whether it's Gen Z, millennial, even like what Gen X. It's just everyone. And then I see you there and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely a blessing. It's definitely a blessing. And, you know, I, I don't take anything for granted. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this because I think that it's one of those things you get older and you appreciate even more like looking back with perspective. Of course. When I ran into you at Sweet Green, I was like... Yo, what's your sweet green order? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, honestly, like, I used to work, I used to work around the corner from there. Mm -hmm. Got real cool with like some of the girls that were like working there, and you know, there was one manager. You know, I know she definitely left at some point, but she would hook it up like once in a while, which was cool. But um, I would always switch it up. But my favorite is definitely the Harvest Bowl. I don't like. I feel like Classics. that's. I like the avocado salad. I love their blackened chicken. So sometimes I'll switch out the chicken, you know, like, but honestly, like I could close my eyes and just order something and most likely I'll like it. So I'm not, I'm not really a complicated person. You eat everything? For the most part, yeah. Do you have to maintain a certain figure like to look Ramirez? <clears throat> I think that, I think that's the unspoken thing in the modeling world which i think is problematic because it all leads back to fat phobia you know what i mean but totally. me personally like i just do i do what my body wants me to do like i don't i'm not gonna lie like i don't really think about that you know because for That's me good. it's like i you know with my pride i feel like you know i should be accepted the way i am same as anyone else but you know i really just don't I don't think about any of that. It's also hard for me to really gain weight. Um, mm -hmm. I really tried at one point. I think now that I'm a little older, um, I probably could, like, if I really put the effort forth. Um, but even when I was playing sports, it was like, you know, even I, I would even contribute it to being poor and not even, you know, I think maybe I thought I was eating a lot, but I wasn't. But um, I don't really think about, you know, I think I think all that needs to be changed. Um, because it all comes from, you know, white beauty standards and this idea of like thinness is more beautiful. And I really don't like that. What kind of sports did you play? I played American football. I was a wide receiver. No way. I was the skinniest motherfucker on varsity. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was like my first time playing. So it was also intimidating. And I was just like, trying so hard like i gotta get swole like 
it was just like not happening. I think I even tried to be a tight end and they kicked me off a tight end because it was like, it was like, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to get plucked. Like, <laughs> I was so mad. Like, I tried to play like some defense. Like, there were like different defensive positions I tried to play too, but they wouldn't let me, you know? I was like, they were like, get out of here. <laughs> Like who even like? <laughs> what people don't know about me is like my favorite sport is football. I've never played it. I've always wanted to play so bad. Oh, wow. Growing up, I was so skinny. I had a super fast metabolism. Yeah, it was hard to gain weight. It was impossible to gain weight. Right. But I've always wanted to play football. I mean, mm. glad I didn't. I know this podcast wouldn't exist. <laughs> you have become the new John Madden with the podcast. We need some millennial voices. I don't really watch football anymore, to be honest. Really? Yeah. What do you watch? That was like a phase. I don't watch anything. Really? No sports. I, I just read. You do read. Yeah. You read a lot. A lot, yeah. You post a lot of books on social media. It's pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's all like theory, like revolutionary pan-african kind of vibe you know what are you reading um right now i'm rereading like walter rodney uh rodney walter rodney speaks um i just finished reading dilla time by D uh, dan charnas um on jay dilla which is a good read but that was kind of like a break from my usual like more serious readings but mm. and also reading whatever my organization, my political home puts out. Were you always like this? No, it was a slow ascent though. I think like 2014, 2013, I really started getting put onto it. Um, but I also got scared off of it because mm -hmm. especially during that time, there were a lot like less voices who were sharing the same politics as I. And so people, people try to make it seem like, you know, you're a violent person mm -hmm. um, or like, you know, it's like you're riding this weird line of being ostracized because like you want a world that's different than what's being described in the general media and not really having any support, you kind of get scared off of it. So it's like, I definitely flirted with it in the past and still held on to it over the years, but it didn't really, it didn't really start bubbling to the surface until like late 2019 when I was in art school. And in art school, it was like the instructor that I had, you know, he made a really derogatory comment about like African art. Um, and so you just start, you know, you never escape those feelings of being marginalized, but definitely for me, it was like, kind of like, okay, it's time to revisit a lot of this stuff. And so even like after school, I would just be looking into like African art and instead of painting still lives, I would paint like what I would see or what I would feel or, you know, being inspired by David Hammonds, I would try to do something more in the veins of that, you know, and um, through all of that, I think it kind of leads you to reading, you know, you read about African history, you end up reading about like some African revolutionaries, depending on what route you go. So you start reading about Amukar Cabral, you know, you start reading about like people like Walter Rodney or Kwame Ture. So then it kind of leads you down that path anyway. So art school, that hit heavy. Yeah, cause it's like, damn, you know, it's like 
you already feel like you know you get the typical racism but then it's like when you're in art school it's like you can't really relate to like these european painters and then wow. all all that's like sticking out of my mind is like when you're going through the dates as you think like damn like at, during that time it's like like black people were like enslaved and like being thrown over you know you just really can't relate to it and so and in some ways people sort of like gloss over a lot of things and so you just kind of felt feel written out of history in that way but it's not that you're you know they try to write, write you out of history but it's not that your history doesn't exist you know right right do you watch the show Atlanta no but a lot of friends that I have watched that show it's really good I feel like you I feel like it's relatable it's mm -hmm. real but I don't know if it's too much or not, you know? Like, I think it's like, it makes sense for everyone yeah. to watch now. It makes me wonder what, in a few years, like what people will be writing. Yeah, that will be interesting. I really don't know much about the show to comment on it, but um, I definitely, I definitely have friends who love that show. It'd be interesting to check it out. I wonder if they like that show because that it deals with you know, a lot about the music industry and music and whatnot, or also because of like how surreal it is. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I don't, yeah. I really don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> a comment on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't want to comment on some shit I don't know about. I can no. hate it. And then I'm like, shit. You know? What about Jordan Peele Flex? I definitely seen some Jordan Peele flicks. Like I'm a big fan of horror, so it's always nice to see like a young African like doing horror. Mm -hmm. uh, last year, my friend um, Barbie Ferreira had a Halloween party. I went as motherfucking what's the um, it's from that movie um, Us. You remember like they were wearing like the red jumpsuits. With yes, the that's that's what I went as. <laughs> but so it feels good. Basically, like it feels good. Like. I don't ever dress up for Halloween, mind you, you know, mm, of um, course. it feels good to have like black people that you can go at, like rather than a typical, you know, it's like, oh, this is actually a horror movie and I don't have to look like a European, you know what I'm saying? Like, no. I could look to a Jordan Peele movie and then pick a, pick a costume from that. I saw Us when it first came out at the BAM and people went crazy yeah i'm not gonna hold you like i saw it for the first time like last year but i don't really you know like i said i don't really watch like and i don't really feel pressured to keep up with anything so no no I like just doing things at my own pace but i watched it i enjoyed it like it was it was parts that i thought it was funny i kind of miss jordan peele or key and peele i never watched that it was <laughs> Key and Peele is just revolutionary. I only because of the fact that like now that Jordan Peele can make these films and he's like all serious, but also incorporates his like humor. Yeah, I think the humor is important. Oh, humor is definitely important, especially with Donald Glover in Atlanta. You can see the humor in it too. Right, right. And we all forget that like Donald Glover was a comedian. He was a comedian. Yeah, Donald Glover started off as like a stand-up comedian. 
Oh, get out of here. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then transitioned into music as Charles Gambino. Oh, I didn't know that. One of the best comics I've ever seen ever. And back in Philly, I've never seen a stand up, but I did have a ticket to go see Donald Glover do his like, he did this thing where it was Donald Glover and Charles Gambino, but it would be a half comedy, half music tour. So okay. he would do the stand up and music at the same time. But I traded my ticket to go see Odd Future instead. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound like a bad trade off. Not a bad trade off at all. Hey. But I did, <laughs> I did see Charles Gambino uh, a couple of times, but I would always would love to see Donald Glover do stand up. But yeah, it's it's. What do you like better? You like the stand up or you like his music? They're both equally as amazing. The thing is that Donald Glover was very, very young when he did stand up. This was before he did the show called Community. Okay. And I don't know what his stand up would be like if he did stand up today. You know, I couldn't imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. What was his stand up like? Like, was he like, um, like, did he touch on social issues? <laughs> That's the thing. Like, there were some social issues brought up, but it was more like you know, the, the occasional dick joke. Like, it was just like, just silly. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine him doing stand up today. Mm. Are you insinuating like it would be like problematic? No, I don't think it would be problematic. I just think that he it would be very serious and very laid back, like how okay. he is in Atlanta right now. Well, he's still a little all over the place in Atlanta, but very laid back. Okay, okay. Word. Yeah. And I'm trying to picture you doing a live set with your music, and I feel like it'd be pretty laid back too. Yeah. I, I think I think I agree with that sentiment. I you know, I obviously think about it now even like with some of the stuff that I'm writing. I do think so. I don't know. I wouldn't I don't necessarily see myself as being like a Travis Scott type or like a Kanye type with like the elaborate stage design. Like mm -hmm. I think I definitely, you know, even if it's rapping would probably prefer more of like a cafe or theater setting, you know. Candles. Uh, no candles. Candles would make me anxious, but like, you know, just like some good funk, like, you know, like you ever like, you know, like Sly and a Family Stone, like mm -hmm. that's my kind of shit, you know, like, can I curse on him? Oh, uh, no, you're good. You're cool. good. Yeah, like, you know, like that's, that's my shit. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to see where, I mean, you dropped the single. Usually people sometimes would want to have a single release party or not. Yeah. I'm considering one right now. Um, it's just a lot of work. It's a lot and of work. I'm kind of like overwhelmed right now. Um, I definitely think it would probably be good. But then I'm also like, do I just save all that energy for like the real deal? You know, real deal. Like, this is just basically like a little soft, low. Not that I'm not taking it serious, take it very serious, but you know, 
it's more so like okay just put the beats out there and then blow everyone's minds with the with the next joint what do you do to take the edge off you say that sometimes you're overwhelmed what do you do for like your mental health just go outside sometimes you know if it's if it's like on some dolo i'll go for a walk smoke a joint go for a walk a lot of times i'll just link up with friends you know like one of my homegirls might hit me and then i'll go hang out with them um or my best friend you know i'll go to his spot and we'll kick it because you know also like when you make art the most important thing is to live mm-hmm. you know so you have something to talk about like if you make music for example and Anything that I put in my music is is real, you know. It's like I'm not gonna I'm not one of those musicians like who I think will speak on someone else's experience. I also don't think like my output is going to be like I don't see myself having like ten albums. Um I definitely wanna put out a few projects, but I also definitely like after that project wanna more so like work with other artists, write for them and produce for them. Um, that's really like what I have in mind. Like, I want to say what I, I want to speak when I have something to say. And then otherwise, like, I want to focus on other people. When you said that you go outside, is that how you began doing the bird watching? Yeah, the bird watching thing, I think it was like so subconscious. Um, I was always just taking pictures of birds, like on my phone. And then one day, like, my friends basically, like, teased me about it. And I didn't even notice it at that point. But that's the funny part about having, like, <laughs> friends, you know, they'll point things out. Like, you have, like, a little habit of, and it was like, you're always taking pictures of birds. And I'm just like, I guess I am, like, so what, you know? And then I saw this, like, New York Times article. It was um, on, like, this person, Molly Adams from the Feminist Bird Club. And I saw a photo of Molly and this other this other person with her in a photo. They just look like people I would like have went to art school with, you know, had little <laughs> tattoos, like they were young, like, and I was like, the hell? So, and it was also in a style section, which was also interesting. So I'm like reading about this feminist bird club and I had no idea that birding was actually a thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, rare moment for me, like I have to find this person. So I looked her up on Instagram and follow her like dm's her and then long story short like she agreed to like meet me in like a park she basically put me on like what kind of binoculars i should get and whatnot and she basically took me on my first like official birding thing in a uh, prospect park which was really cool and then i found out her boyfriend was um a designer at noah which was wild because i was modeling for them at that time so then it made it even even better like that connection even better it was like wow small world and then end up meeting her boyfriend and yeah so a shout out to molly adams because she definitely like helped me jump start like my my favorite hobby do you still do it yeah i do i honestly haven't gone outside like all year i've been so busy like trying to get back on my feet in terms of work and you know but i think that's normal and I think there was a lot of pressure because, you know, with, with Instagram now, it's like so many people like to turn their hobbies into like a career. And I think when I was starting to do a birding thing, it was like a lot of people started reaching out, which was like good. But then it started to become too much where I was kind of like, OK, y'all want to take it to a place where I just never even had any intention of taking it. Like, this is just like a fun hobby for me and I don't want to ruin it with all this like, you know, so I kind of had to just 
I think like step back and kind of reevaluate because you know I'm like that's not supposed to turn into something that's so serious and I appreciate you know the love and the offers and whatnot but I wanted to keep it that way you were getting offers I mean just like things like oh like leading bird clubs and then right. you start doing it and it just starts to feel like you know a part-time job and it's like you're not getting paid for it and you just start questioning why you're even doing it in the first place it's like this was supposed to be fun and easy it's not supposed to be something that's like administrative and taxing and you know i was volunteering for new york city autobahn which was fun and even that was more fun you know so i just had to kind of step back and like no i don't want it. i don't want that much responsibility around this it's supposed to just be fun you know 100 i do this podcast for fun right it's like you approach it so much differently too you know like and i don't feel like every hobby needs to be monetized or like taken in, in terms of career path and i think with instagram it's like because like that's what people's first reference they have for you especially if they don't hang out with you it's kind of like people like to make depending on what you post they, they try to box you into that like make that your thing you know and it's like i'm so much more than that and social media is one of the worst drugs out there yeah people think they know you on there it's crazy but they don't really know no they don't it's like, uh, I don't know. I think people, I think people really need to like reevaluate their relationship to it. I'm about to go on another social media break. I think it's good. I think it's good. It's just hard when work surrounds it. I mean, that's my whole thing. It's like, you know, I've deactivated it so many times. I've had to reactivate it for work. And so at this point, I just leave it. Probably why a lot of times I shit posting my stories because I'm like, I don't really have anything to say to y'all. Like, <laughs> catch me outside, you know? Like, <laughs> I know that Instagram is your main, but I believe that you stay away from TikTok. Yo, so last year I made a TikTok just like spontaneously. And I was in LA. I was staying in LA for like, I stayed in LA for like two months. Made a TikTok. <laughs> You know, I was like, especially like, cause at that time I wasn't signed. And so I was really trying to get back on my feet in terms of work. And so I thought like, you know, with all this modeling stuff and whatnot I'm doing, maybe I need to like get out of my comfort zone. So I made a TikTok of me, like basically flaunting my outfit. I didn't really say anything. I was just kind of like standing in front of the camera doing the usual thing. And then I hit post. Suddenly I just started getting all these comments from people being like, Travis Scott, is that you? <laughs> Why didn't you stop the concert? Like, you know, and then people arguing, being like, that's not Travis Scott. And like, my jaw was on the floor because I'm just like, I'm like, damn, like the first TikTok that I post, this is like the reaction that I get. <laughs> it was wild. And so it was just like hilarious to like screenshot it and send it to friends because, you know, it was like, I would get that on the street in New York, you know, but it was just like hilarious. It was like the TikTok, TikTokers came for me. They came for you came for me and that was one of the only posts that you put out there i mean i made two other posts um and then after that kind of it's just been sitting there it's probably been almost a year since i posted but um you know i'll probably mess with it again especially for music i have you know i have a couple ideas you know i'm not i don't take anything like that serious right that's a whole nother ballpark yeah i'm still learning i feel like 
I already feel like an elderly person. Like, I don't really keep up with, like, I guess what people in the U.S. really, like, keep up with in terms of pop culture. So even Instagram, like, basic things on Instagram, like, I have to ask my friends to show me how to do. Like, how do I post a link in my story? Like, Wow, I haven't got those questions that I don't know how I feel. <laughs> what would what, you say? I, I don't know how I feel if um, someone asked me, like, I would understand if my parents asked me All like, right. certain things on, like, social media. I mean, they, they do for, mm -hmm. like, certain things, but when it gets to that point, oh, man, I don't want to be that that person yeah I mean, you know I, yeah i mean i don't either i think the people who i ask to are people who are like experts you know like you a real tiktoker so i'm gonna ask you how to do this like you know <laughs> you gotta put like, yourself out there like well no no like what i mean was that on all these apps they make you want to put yourself out there like you said about going outside your comfort zone i had a whole meeting about like content at the end of it i realized yo this is breaking all my rules yeah i don't know how i feel about you know putting that's myself out like that yeah that's the thing it's like i totally get it you know i'm always in awe when i see people who could just put everything on there Sometimes, you know, my nosy ass will keep up. I'm just like, what's going on? You know? But then I'm also like, I could never see myself like, you know, I respect people like Frank Goshen and like people like Lauren Hill or like even like a Phoebe Philo, like people who really respect their privacy. Because, yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot to even to put a little bit, you know, so people that you don't know or maybe fans they know certain things that you don't really realize that you post online that people know about you and you're like i didn't even tell you but you can't get mad at that right that happens a lot yeah um there's also it's like going back to what i say there's also people that don't who think they know you don't like i've had people you know, try to start arguments with me and i'm like i've literally met never met you before like i don't know you like you think that you know me because like you've seen my Instagram and like you're trying to call me up all these things. It's really interesting. And I think people are a little, you know, I've had people make fake profiles of me, like really people watch my story and then they got like photos of me, like in their profile picture. Like it, it gets to a point where you're kind of like, I'm going to, I'm going to blow this up. <laughs> <laughs> no more social media. Like this is why we can't like things, you know? <laughs> Were these people in the comments or like in real life? No, I'd be like, I mean, nobody's stepping in me in real life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it gotta be, it gotta be in the DMs or the comments. <laughs> hats off to you and everything that you do for some just so aware many hat solutions. If I ever asked you if you wanted to wear some merch of mine, would you? Yeah, you mean for like a photo or something? Yeah. Yeah, we could do that. We can't tell my agency though. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let, let this be between, be between us. <laughs> Let's do it for sure. If you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? 
Wow. I would have to go with an Amilcar Cabral quote. Tell no lies, claim no easy victories. Truth. Right there. There we go. Chess, chess piece coming soon. You have a lot of tattoos. I do. I'm probably going to get like a few more before I call it quits. But yeah, they're all personal too. So I, I don't have any regrets. I have friends that want to start modeling and some say that they don't want to get tattoos because like it will interfere with their modeling career. I don't think that's true. That's, that's what people, I mean, this is, this is one thing about like sticking to your guns. Cause you know, when I first, my first modeling gig, I didn't even have any tattoos and you know, even I, I model for like Ryan beginning along, uh, like around that time was obviously a nude shoot and um, I didn't have any tattoos no tattoos like all those photos i don't have any tattoos and um i remember when i wanted to get tattooed um people were saying that to me and i kind of was like don't really care because i felt like it's like i'm like it already everything i'm already black like you know among other things it's like it's already working against me you know it's like i'm not gonna play i don't feel you know i don't know i think sometimes we give a little too much to these industries and whatnot and sometimes you got to remember to just live you know sometimes you have to make hard decisions but a lot of times i think it's an illusion of like i think people you know because it's like otherwise who who makes these rules up you know what i mean and who's right. who said you know like i think people kind of give away power where they don't necessarily need to give power away so Is i mean i am like 10 12 years later like walking the runway with tattoos and you see it so many other people so i think people i think collectively if you move a certain type of way people have no choice but to accept it you know <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the point wasn't clear go get tatted like you said that all your tattoos are significant to you is there one that really stands out yeah, there's a few um i have rude boy tattooed on me um, I mean, that's a nod to my, um, you know, my mom's side from Jamaica, my dad's side from Haiti. So it's a side, it's a nod to my Jamaican side, but also just like was a little nickname um, for me at one point. Um, I have Bully Baby tattooed on my stomach, which if you know my first single, you know what Bully stands for. It stands, you know, Black slang for Boulevard. Um, and that one's like one of my favorites. Um, I also have a Panther tattoo a black panther obviously so that's pretty self-explanatory at the end of the show we usually ask plug your socials where can people find you but if you don't want to be found do you have anything that you would like to plug yeah i mean i don't mind people following me you know my instagram is ready uh the number four revolution ready for revolution um that's also my TikTok. if you want to go see them travis scott comments <laughs> Other things I want to plug, support revolutionary Black movement. So my organization is the Black Alliance for Peace. So check out the Black Alliance for Peace. If you got a little bread, donate. Otherwise, yeah, follow me on Spotify as well, Ramir Balagoon. Stay tuned for new music. Well, thank you, Ramir, for coming on Wear Many Hats. It was great to have you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Dasar, and I'm Rashad. Peace.